This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Aquarium Mania on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Roy Anong, speaking to you from the University of Florida's Tropical Aquaculture Laboratory. Thanks for joining us. PetSmart is the largest North American pet and pet supply company with a total of almost 1,200 retail stores. Have you ever wondered who manages the health of PetSmart's millions of fish and other aquatic animals? Dr. Nick St. Ern, who has been working in the field of exotic and aquatic veterinary medicine for decades, is more than up to the challenge. Dr. Nick is PetSmart's technical services veterinarian in charge of aquatic animal health. Dr. Nick is an author of two fish health books and a favorite invited speaker, having lectured for numerous koi club events. Dr. Nick is also actively involved in the advancement of aquatic animal medicine through his work with the American Veterinary Medical Association and the World Aquatic Veterinary Medical Association. Join us as Dr. Nick teaches us the art and the science of aquatic animal health the PetSmart way. We'll be right back with Dr. Nick after these messages. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Aquarium Mania on Pet Life Radio. Our guest today is my friend and colleague, Dr. Nick Sainern, the technical services veterinarian for the aquatics category at PetSmart. Hi, Dr. Nick. Thanks for spending some time with us. Hello, Roy. Thanks for having me on your program. So uh, we've had a lot of great conversations on our show, and one of the questions I always like to ask is, how did you first get interested in the aquarium hobby, and, and what was your first fish or your first tank set up? Well, I've been interested in all kinds of animals ever since I was a little kid. And when I was nine years old, one of my friends in my neighborhood had, was breeding guppies, I think accidentally, and he ended up giving me a jar with some guppies in it. We had an old aquarium down the basement that my parents had had set up at one time. So I set it up again, put those guppies in it, and this was in the summer of 1968. And from that point on, I was hooked with fish and have had aquariums continuously since that day. So tell us, I know you've been involved with fish and aquatics for a really long time. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your fish-related work, you know, starting from when you were younger in school and background, as well as some of the interests you've had in terms of the aquatic side of veterinary medicine? 
by the time I was in grade school, I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian and having the fish tanks, I really was fascinated with fish and I actually grew up in the middle of Kansas with no really lakes or streams or rivers or oceans anywhere nearby. So the aquarium was my only outlet to being involved with fish and I, I enjoyed keeping aquariums so much that I decided, you know, I want to be a fish veterinarian, which of course at that time was probably, I was maybe the only person that would ever want to be a fish veterinarian. <laughs> but um, uh, so I, I studied fish when I was in grade school. I read every book in the library. I learned the Latin names for all the fish in my aquariums and was just, you know, interested in fish right from that first tank. When I got into college, I took a lot of science classes with the intention of being a veterinarian, but my undergraduate degree was based in fisheries biology because I knew that I, whether I became a veterinarian or not, I wanted to continue working with fish. And fortunately, my goal of getting into veterinary school um, came true and I became a veterinarian and uh, just have always geared my practice towards working with fish and uh, I was in private practice for 15 years. I worked in Las Vegas, Nevada in a small animal veterinary clinics. And in my practice, not only did I see dogs and cats and other exotic pets, I also treated zoo animals and had a, a, a big business with fish and koi ponds, so aquariums and koi ponds. And, and it was always a, a main part of my practice. You mentioned zoo animals, so I have to ask you, uh, what was uh, your most uh, interesting or exciting uh, zoo animal case? Working with lions and tigers was always a, a lot of fun, and I, I worked with some big cats at the zoos, but also in Las Vegas, I worked with the entertainers, the, the magicians that had all the exotic animals, and so I became the veterinarian for over 40 magicians with their, the pets and the, the giant cats and things they used in their show. So that was always fun, and I always, you know, kind of neat, I got to use a tranquilizer uh, blowgun to tranquilize the lions and tigers when necessary in order to work on them. And I did a root canal on a tiger and, and that type of thing. So there, there was a lot of interesting cases that weren't fish related when I was in uh, private veterinary practice. How about your favorite fish case? I really liked working with koi because they're such good hardy fish that you can do pretty much anything with a koi fish that you would think about doing with your pet dog or cat, for example, in the, in the veterinary world. So I did a lot of x-rays on them. I've done ultrasounds on koi. And um, my first big fish surgery was on a koi that had an abdominal tumor that we diagnosed with a radiograph. And then I went ahead and anesthetized it, did surgery, successfully removed the abdominal tumor. And that was back in 1985. And I really felt proud because at that time, there wasn't a lot of pet information about doing that kind of surgery for veterinary care of pet fish. And um, since then, it's become quite commonplace. I've done many of those surgeries, as have many other veterinarians working in the fish business. But uh, back then, I felt like I was kind of on my own and just trying to figure out how to do it and was successful doing it. And, and that made me feel like you know there was a lot of potential for fish medicine. So how did you end up leaving practice and ending up in Arizona working for PetSmart? When I was in private practice, I became the veterinarian for a number of pet stores, uh, both independent pet shops and then later 
PetSmart, and at the time there was first three, then four, then five PetSmart stores in the Las Vegas area, and I became the veterinarian that was taking care of the pets in all their stores. So whenever they would have a, uh, any type of injured pet, they would uh, contact me, and I would have them bring it in. I'd take care of the pets, and I, I noticed that there were some certain preventive care things that they could be doing that would maybe help reduce some of the problems. And I actually had the idea of approaching PetSmart about it because here I was in Las Vegas taking care of five stores. And at that time, PetSmart had about 500 stores around the country when they really didn't have a coordinated veterinary care program. So I contacted PetSmart who ultimately they did hire me to become their veterinarian to work on the the care of the pets and their whole process of getting the pets from the breeders to their stores and then to the pet parents that take them home. And so that was in 1999. I came from Las Vegas down to Phoenix, Arizona and started working at the corporate office for PetSmart. So uh, were you okay with the, the move to Arizona? Do you, do you like Arizona okay? Yeah, I really uh, enjoy Arizona here. I, I like the sunny weather. I don't mind the heat in the summer. I don't know, for some reason, I guess because Kansas is hot in the summer, Las Vegas is hot in the summer. But moving to Phoenix did not bother me at all, and I definitely wanted to get out of the snow from Kansas where I was originally. And uh, so I'm now here in Phoenix where we have almost no snow and very few cold days, and it just suits my temperament uh, uh, perfectly. That's great. I'm the same way. I kind of like the warm. Florida's pretty nice. A little humid <laughs> for me there. <laughs> so what is your official title and in, in your overall duties and, and mission, I guess, for the, the company, for PetSmart? Well, I'm the technical services veterinarian for the aquatics category. I was the first veterinarian at the PetSmart office, but since I joined here, uh, we now have three veterinarians. And so between the three of us, we've uh, divided the, fish, the uh, pet categories uh, between the dog and cat issues, birds, small animals and reptiles and fish and aquatic species. And so my, my category is I take care of all the aquatic species, which would be the, the fish, the frogs, uh, the shrimp and crabs, those type of things. So all the aquarium-related pets. And um, so my title is the aquatic category veterinarian. My job is to actually work with the suppliers that we buy our pets from, and then also our distribution centers where the fish get uh, health checked before they get sent to the stores. And then also the stores and even customers who are having issues with the pets to try to help them out. Now, I, I mentioned at the, in the introduction, I guess you've talked about uh, almost 1,200 retail stores. And you just mentioned uh, the distribution centers. Can you kind of explain sort of the setup with the distribution centers? How many, what you, know, what you guys, how the fish yes. end up from one place to another? We have five distribution centers in the United States, so they're kind of spread around the country in different cities. We have one here in Phoenix, for example. And the fish come in from the fish farms uh, into our distribution centers. So a lot of the fish come from Florida. Many of them come from Asia, where they're bred on commercial farms for the most part. Those fish are then imported or shipped from Florida into our distribution centers. We unpack the fish there. We place them in the aquariums. Uh, I'll give you an example. In, in our five fish distribution centers, they average about uh, 50 to 60,000 gallons of water each, the largest having 80,000 gallons of water. They run about 4,000 aquariums at each distribution center. They're about 50,000 square feet. So they're, they're quite large, and we bring a lot of fish into those um, distribution centers. The fish are then checked 
for health by our fish biologists. We call them fish health managers. And we have their laboratory technicians who also manage water quality at the facilities. And they'll inspect the fish. Every fish coming in gets placed on hold until it's checked and cleared by the fish health manager to where then it can be uh, sent out to the stores. Each distribution center has a set group of stores that they'll send their fish to. Uh, we Right now, we're just under 1,200 stores. We just opened two stores in Puerto Rico this week, and uh, so we, we are opening stores all the time. So it's hard to give you an accurate count of how many stores because it changes every week, but uh, we'll hit about 1,200 stores this year. Now, I actually had a question about your kind of the reach of PetSmart. I know you guys are all over North America. Are, are you guys looking at any other areas? Is the company looking outside you know, North America or, or and, and Mexico, I guess? Yeah, we're, we're pretty uh, limited to North America. Our, our expansion plans are at this time only in North America. So we have the stores in the U.S. We have 60 to 70 stores in Canada. Uh, then we have the two stores in Puerto Rico. We have a few more stores scheduled uh, there. But uh, at this time, there's really no plans for going outside the North America area. Okay. You kind of mentioned a little bit about the system and, and how things work at the distribution centers, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about each of those facets. But in terms of just the number of stores and the number of fish that you're working with and you're, and you're in charge of in terms of uh, health management, can you maybe describe, I guess, some of the logistics? You know, who reports to who? How do you guys communicate problems? You know, that sort of thing. Every week we send a list of fish with problems around to each of the distribution centers so that if one of the distribution centers was seen that they had a, maybe a, a parasite on a goldfish, for example, that that information is passed around so all the other ones would know what to look for. And, and that way we share the information so everybody can do the appropriate treatments. We've developed a set protocol for treating each specific disease. So we all use the same medications for treating. We use the same processes diagnosing and treating the fish the same way and making sure that the fish are cleared up and they're healthy before they're shipped back out. In addition to the email communications, we also have um, an intranet site that this uh, information is posted on so that they can actually review uh, water quality logs. We keep water quality logs for all the different stores and we have that posted. So if, if a store is having a problem, we can pull up the spreadsheets that shows us what their water quality is at that particular store around the country. We can retest the water and see if there's any changes. Uh, that way we can identify some cities may have high pH or low pH, uh, alkalinity problems, copper in the water. And so we have a general feel for what's going on at all the different stores. And that's that kind of communication is done through the emails and then through our intranet site. And then we also have a monthly conference call where all the the fish health managers and the general managers from the distribution centers, we get together and we discuss any issues that are going on. We talk about promotions, any sales that are coming up, uh, new species coming in, just keep everybody in the loop of what's happening, what the changes are going to be, and um, gives us an opportunity to share ideas with each other. And then I also travel and visit all of the fish suppliers that we buy our fish from and the distribution centers every year where we 
we have a program of care. We call it the Vet Assured Program, and it is a specific design program of preventive care that our, our fish suppliers, our bird, small animal, reptile suppliers, each of them certify that they are following this program of care to take care of their pets. And then that also carries on through our distribution centers and even into our stores so that if there's any uh, concerns about the health of any pet, they get appropriate veterinary care as soon as possible. So I had imagined that, you know, given the large number of, of fish and other animals and the uh just a really complex sort of chain of uh, custody, that sort of thing with the fish that you guys would have a pretty well thought out plan for all of these communications. I've got a lot more questions for you, Dr. Nick, but I think we're going to have to take a, a quick break to hear some messages from our sponsors before we continue our discussion. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We're back and continuing our conversation with my guest, Dr. Nick St. Ernst, PetSmart's veterinarian in charge of aquatic animal health. So you mentioned that you guys have at the uh, distribution centers massive volumes of water and, and large numbers of aquaria. Can you give us maybe a little visual for folks in terms of, you know, what the setup is just really in general and, and what type of filtration you use? And, and also, I guess maybe you mentioned some water quality, how, what kind of your protocols are for water quality for these systems? Sure. Our main aquarium systems at the distribution centers are built by ASA Incorporated in Florida, and they're all acrylic systems. They have three tiers of tanks with a sump along the bottom. The, the, each tank gets individually filled and the water drains out of the tank back down into the sump. There's probably about 300 tanks on any one system. And at the end of each system is, a, is the filtration system for that one row of tanks. Uh, the, the rows are double-sided, so there's three rows of tanks on each side, front and back, running down from the filtration. The sump runs underneath the tanks, runs back to the filter, and then it, the water from the sump is pumped through two sand filters. There are fluidized bed sand filters which will remove the particulate matter. It also has some biological activity in there to break down the fish waste. The water then coming out of the sand filter goes through a large protein skimmer tower, uh, foam fractionator tower, where the water is flowing down and air is bubbled up to help remove some of the organic material that's in the water. After going through that, the water is pumped through a a free fall tower with bio balls. So the water is falling by gravity. It's not uh, solid, full of water. It's actually just trickling down through the tower. That allows the bio balls, which are little plastic, high surface area media, to stay wet. 
which allows bacteria to grow on it. The bacteria will break down the ammonia to nitrites and then nitrates, yet it gets plenty of oxygen by being exposed to the air as well as remaining wet. So it's very efficient in reoxygenating the water and removing the nitrogenous components. The water also goes through a, a replaceable filter floss material that will remove any other particulate matter out of it to help keep the water clear and clean. And then the last stage is it pumps it through uh, ultraviolet lighting, which will help to kill any microorganisms that may be in the water. From there, it'll then be pumped right back into the, the rows of tanks. And so as each of these systems runs about 3,000, 3,500 gallons of water, depending on how many tanks are in it. And um, they uh, are running 24 hours a day, obviously. And then we also use a little bit of an inflow trickle filter flow of water that the water comes through our storage reservoirs where it's pre-treated. And then these uh, 5,000 gallon reservoirs that we have, the water will be heated to the appropriate temperature. It's treated to remove any chlorine or copper that might be in the city water. It's adjusted to the appropriate pH and alkalinity. Then that water will then go into the systems as a constant flow through so that there's always new water coming in. We really never have problems with ammonia, nitrite, or nitrate accumulation in these fish systems. Do you guys? How often do you guys check the systems pretty regularly? Yeah, the, there are some systems that are checked on a daily basis throughout the week because there are so many systems in the distribution centers that not every system is checked every day or even every week. But if any system is having any concern, it'll be checked on a daily basis. But to be honest, they're so stable that uh, you know if we check them every week or every few weeks just to make sure they're okay, we rarely see any change in the water quality there. So it's quality for the most part. Okay. Now, with all these tanks, and you mentioned that you've got uh, fish health managers at each of the distribution centers, and obviously you know, there are some folks at, at the stores, how do these folks actually monitor the fish health? Kind of what is their, their routine? Uh, at the, the distribution centers, every morning they walk every tank and look at the fish. They know you know, what the fish are supposed to look like. They know how they're supposed to act or they feed them and check their feeding response. So they're pretty familiar with, with what normal behavior and what abnormal behavior would be for these fish. As they walk through the tanks, anything that doesn't look right, they'll, they'll place a hold sticker on it so that those fish would not be picked to go out to any of the stores. The other process we have is as the associates in the distribution center are catching fish to send to the stores. If they notice dead fish in a tank or if they notice fish that don't look good, they'll also notify the fish health manager so that that tank can then be checked and, and isolated if necessary so that no fish get picked from that one to go to the store. Then the next step would be laboratory testing or, or uh, diagnostic uh, tests where they'll take some fish out of the tank, either dead ones if they're dead or if they're alive, they'll tranquilize them, do biopsies on them, uh, gill scrapes, fin clips, and skin scrapes, and look under the microscope to see what kind of problems they have. Because it's really, you can kind of tell if a fish is sick by looking at it, but you don't know for sure what it has unless you do this microscopic exam to determine either a bacteria, a fungus, or parasite that might be on it. So they'll make the diagnosis using the laboratories we have at the, the facility, doing their diagnostic testing, using the microscope. And then uh, um, once they've found what problem it is, then they'll use the appropriate treatment on that fish or on the whole system of fish if necessary to help eliminate that parasite. Once they've treated the fish, 
they'll go ahead and check them again to make sure the parasites are gone or the fish are cleared up. And then when they are, they'll release hold off those tanks and the fish can then go back out to the stores. I'm guessing you probably are pretty involved with training these guys to, to kind of know what to look for, that sort of thing. Yes, we've been very fortunate that the people who we have hired have all been very knowledgeable. Many of them who have worked in the fish industry in either retail, wholesale, or even public aquarium facilities. Uh, so we've got some really great talent in our distribution centers already. And then what I'll do is, is help them develop uh, their techniques for our, our process. We, you know, we have a written manual, so it makes it easy for them to um, follow the process to determine you know, for each specific problem they find or parasite they find what the appropriate treatment is. And, and then we're always looking for ways to improve that, looking for new medications that uh, might make things better or easier or treat the fish more safely and effectively. Uh, but the the quality of employees that we have is r- really great, and they all do a great job. So, getting back to uh, the uh, the kind of the fun side, what are some of your personal favorite fish at the uh, distribution centers, or that are, you know, PetSmart's currently selling? Well, you know, I've always been partial to guppies because that's what I started with. And even at home, I have uh, actually several aquariums where I breed guppies and I still have lots of fish tanks at home and I still breed fish for fun. And uh, right now, one of my main fish that I'm keeping is the Endler Live Bearer, which uh, is a little, it looks like a miniature guppy. It's very similar to guppies. It's actually been proven to be a distinct species from guppies, but they're just fascinating little fish and uh, endangered in the wild. So I like keeping and breeding those. I also like Africans and South American cichlids, um, especially some of the South American species that uh, were, again, one of the first fish I ever bred was the rainbow cichlid, uh, which is a fun little small cichlid that can actually be kept in community aquariums, which is unusual for for many cichlids. And then the other passion that I have is for koi and koi ponds. I have a koi pond at my home. Uh, as a veterinarian, the koi ponds are one of the areas where there's a lot of, of ability to help pond owners with their fish. And, and because koi are such long-lived fish living 60 years or more that you can really uh, develop a pet relationship with your koi. And so koi pond owners are very willing to have veterinarians treat their fish if they notice that there's problems with them. So uh, koi have been one of my favorite fish ever since I first started keeping fish. and really think that that's uh, uh, a fascinating and wonderful pet. If, if a customer is looking for a fish that's truly a pet, it would be a koi. But, you know, fish, koi get about two to three feet long, so they're really not suitable for aquariums, and it really takes a pond to keep them successfully. So what are some of the kind of big sellers at PetSmart, just in general? The best-selling fish are the fancy goldfish, which would be like the orandas, ryukans, the shubunkans, the, you know, the fancy body shapes, the fancy colored fish. Uh, those are very, very popular. Guppies and other live bears like the platys and mollies have always been the strong-selling fish. Betta fish, the Siamese fighting fish or the betta splendens, is one of our top-selling fish. And they're great because you, they're one of the few fish that do not require big aquariums and aeration and filtration because they are air-breathing fish. They can be kept in smaller desktop aquariums successfully. So they're very big sellers. Then uh, the Neon Tetra is probably our single best-selling tropical aquarium fish that's uh, always been popular because that bright blue and the bright red coloration. 
So how does PetSmart kind of decide, you know, when they've got such a huge number of stores, I guess what sort of goes into the decision making, you know, if they're looking at a new fish or just in general? Well, there's hundreds and hundreds of fish that have been kept in aquariums over the years, and uh, a lot of it is we'll we'll get the fish from the breeders, we'll start selling them, see how well they do, see how well they sell, and also how hardy they are. If we see fish that are hard to keep, they're hard to keep alive, that we have a high loss on those fish, those are not fish that are going to make good pets, and it's not good for the fish to be in that situation. So we'll not carry fish that do not do well in aquariums. Uh, but on the other hand, we also have to have a variety of fish for all different levels of fish hobbyists. So there are some people that have never had aquarium before. They're setting up their first aquarium. They need to have hardy fish that they'll be successful with, with so they'll enjoy keeping fish. So in our stores, all the fish have what we call a picture tag, which is a little uh, identification tag underneath the tank. It has a picture of the fish, tells how large the fish will get, how large of an aquarium is required to keep it successfully, whether it's a beginner, intermediate, or advanced level of care for that fish. So if you were a first-time customer at PetSmart, first-time owning an aquarium, you should look for fish that are labeled as beginner fish. If you had an aquarium for a while that uh, you're, you've been successfully keeping, you might feel comfortable moving up to uh, intermediate care fish. And then if you're a, uh, someone who's been keeping fish for a long time, you like breeding fish, you want a fish that, that you you can be uh, challenged with taking care of but yet still be successful, then you'd look for some of the fish that are labeled advanced. Uh, and so those are how we choose fish as if they're going to be good pets in aquariums, but also we want to make sure that the people who buy them get enough information so that they'll be successful keeping them. If the fish uh, is uh, one that's too aggressive, that is mean, it eats a lot of other fish, we may not want to carry it because we know that the customers that buy fish at PetSmart might not be uh, want to have a fish that's maybe in a tank all by itself and not want to deal with that type of thing. So we, we don't carry as many fish as maybe other tropical fish stores do, but the fish we carry in our stores we know are hardy and will do well in aquariums. So has PetSmart considered or would they ever consider selling marine fish as well? I know, um, you know, that there are more people getting into marines, uh, you know, in the, in the past few years. Yeah, we've experimented with the marine fish in the past, and, and it's something that we are open to. One of the main concerns about the marine fish is unlike freshwater aquarium fish, which are by and large commercially farmed and, and raised, that the marine fish are still often wild caught. And we're concerned about the depletion of the reefs, the natural resources, the destruction of the coral reefs to catch the fish. So we're reluctant to promote anything that would, might be harmful to the natural environment. If more and more species of marine fish become cultured and available through farming practices, that would be the thing that would um, make enough fish available to our pet parents at PetSmart that we would consider selling marine fish. So is PetSmart doing any, um, any type of special programs or anything to promote the aquarium hobby? We have a number of different things that we're looking into to try to get a resurgence into fish keeping. Uh, 
basically in the past there's been your rectangular standard aquariums you know the 10 gallon 20 gallon 30 gallon 55 gallon aquariums and those are while they're still good aquariums uh, we're now looking into some of the, what we call the bow front, where the shape of the front is is curved or waved, uh, unusual shape tanks, things that are a little more decorative than your standard aquarium. And that's been uh, bringing a lot of interest into aquarium keeping when people see these unusual tanks and, and uh, different sizes and shapes. That, that certainly is interesting and, and new, and, and that's helping to promote the fish. Um, aquarium keeping. We also are promoting different types of fish, get people interested that maybe already have an aquarium but want to get some new fish that they haven't seen a lot of. So we're bringing what we call a special buys program in where we'll bring a select group of fish into the store for a four-month period. Those fish will be in there available for sale and then after that they'll be gone and a new group of fish will come in. And that way, every few months, you'll see different fish than you saw before. We'll still carry the basic inventory of our standard fish, but uh, about seven new species each in each of the categories, the South American cichlids, the African cichlids, tropical community fish, semi-aggressive fish, and goldfish. Those different groups will, will bring at least one or two fish in each of those categories in uh, for a limited time. So you can go to the store, you can get them at a good price, and uh, increase the amount of, uh, of fish that we don't carry all the time, but we'll always have something new coming in. And that way, we can also try fish to see how well they do, things that we might not normally carry. But if we find that, it, hey, this is a great fish, it sells well, it's very hardy, has very low loss, we'll bring that fish in as a permanent fish and continue to carry that uh, if our customers like it. Okay, yeah, that's a great idea. You kind of get, people get a taste for different groups and, and you guys also get to try them out and see how they do both in terms of sales as well as, as hardiness. So no, that, sounds, that sounds great. I know you've been very active in advancing fish veterinarians and fish veterinary medicine. What, what do you think is the role of uh, veterinarians in the aquarium hobby? Well, I think there's a great role for veterinarians to get involved with the aquarium hobby, and, and there's more and more veterinarians who are doing that. A lot of the problem is for a local aquarist, they may have trouble finding a veterinarian when they need help with their fish and not know where to turn, and you make a couple calls to a local veterinarian, and they say, no, they don't work with fish, you kind of get discouraged. But there are many veterinarians who are doing this, and one of the best resources I'd, I'd like to tell your listeners about is the aquavetmed.info website. That's A-Q-U-A-V-E-T-M-E-D dot I-N-F-O. And this website has a listing of veterinarians all around the world who practice with fish and if you go on that website and you could put your state or your city or your zip code and it will give you a list of any veterinarians who are within that area that you're doing your search criteria who practice veterinary medicine for fish. And so it would be a great resource for people finding, looking for a vet. And also the other recommendation I'd have would be to contact your veterinary college if you do have one in your state that they may have a program at the veterinary college where the veterinarians may see fish cases. Those are some great suggestions and um, yeah, hopefully as more and more folks kind of look, look beyond, um, you know, maybe just getting a new fish and, and uh, look at trying to provide some additional care for some of the, the fish that they have, they'll be more active in seeking out veterinarians now that there are, are more available. Definitely 
we can definitely use more, but there are definitely a lot more available now. Well, we're just about out of time, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I, I definitely want to thank you, Dr. Nick, and our producers, especially Mark Winter, for uh, making this show possible. D- Dr. Nick, did you have any words of wisdom to leave us with regarding uh, PetSmart, Fish Vets, or, or the aquarium hobby? Well, I'd like to anyone who's listening to this to try to become involved in your local aquarium club if you have one. Help support other hobbyists who are starting to keep fish. If you have a veterinarian in your area that sees fish, uh, invite them to your fish club, the koi pond club. Get the veterinarian involved in those activities, and that will be a good way of uh, helping the veterinarian build their business, but also getting that information the veterinarian has into your local koi club or fish club, and that would help both parties. That's great advice. I definitely want to thank you again, Dr. Nick, for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Roy. I appreciate being on your program. Well, I encourage all of you to visit my Aquarium Mania blog on Pet Life Radio. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, email me at Dr. Roy, that's D-R-R-O-Y, at PetLifeRadio.com. Dr. Roy at PetLifeRadio.com. If you're ever in Florida, please be sure to visit the Aquarium Mania exhibit at the Florida Aquarium in Tampa, one of my favorite aquariums. Until next time, please visit your local aquarium stores, including PetSmart. Look around, think about some new fish, buy more fish, keep your tanks healthy, and we'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.